Welcome to TMZ Live, Harvey Levin here. Carl's here. So this is a day many people thought would never come. There has been an arrest in the Tupac Shakur murder. And we are talking a murder that happened not only decades ago, last century. Yes, last century, but it has finally happened. Uh, they have indicted in Las Vegas a man known as Keefe D. You've probably seen interviews with him on the internet where he has been talking about the night that Tupac was murdered and very openly saying he was in the car giving out details, but he had never been arrested. And he has talked not just once, he has talked multiple times about this over the years. It was puzzling that this guy, who we know was in the car yes. um, that was the murder, that the car- he handed the, the murder weapon to the person who actually pulled the trigger, his and, nephew. Right. And according so, to Keefe D, that's the story he's been telling. And until July, nothing had happened. So in July, you recall, there was a big raid. Las Vegas police rolled in pretty heavy into the neighborhood and they went into a house owned by Keefe D's wife, a woman named Paula Clemens. And we know that police they took out of their um, computers, computers and records and books and things like that. Magazines that featured Tupac, as well as several and 40 gotta, caliber bullets. And I got to say, it was surprising back then because out of the blue, there was the search warrant. Yeah. But it all seemed to connect back to KVD's confession. Um, and also, there is a, some hard evidence here because the nephew had been beaten up by Tupac's people. Was involved people. in, you remember, just to refresh everyone's memory, just less than a couple of hours before Tupac was shot, he was in this fight here at the MGM Grand, uh, the surveillance video capture. They were all leaving after a Mike Tyson fight, and Keefe D's nephew, a guy named Orlando Anderson, got into this fight with Tupac and his, uh, and his crew, and that bedlam broke out there. And the story has always been that they went back to shoot revenge. Tupac for revenge yeah. in that fight. So there is somebody mm -hmm. who has made a uh, life almost out of trying to solve this crime. We've had him on TMZ Live before. Yes, his name is Greg Kading, he's a former LAPD detective, and he had a very intense conversation with Keefe D back in 2008, and in fact, it's really the first time he confessed to what went down that night in Las Vegas. So joining us right now is Greg Kading, Welcome back to TMZ Live. Hey, Greg. Hey, guys. Good to see you Good again. Good to see you. So, I mean, the first thing we got to get from you, because this is so such a long road, uh, your reaction to the arrest. I'm elated. I mean, it's just been a long time coming. And so, you know, better, better late than never. I was starting to get skeptical whether or not this day would come, but it has, and I am just elated. I can't, uh, I can't tell you. Um, it, it, you know, the, the record will be set straight now. Greg, can, can you take us back to 2008 and this um, con conversation you had with Keefe D and what he told you and why he wasn't, what, why he wasn't charged with, uh, in connection with Tupac's murder back then? Sure. So we arrested Keefe D. We suspected that he might be involved. Uh, we built a really um, airtight drug case against him, which he was looking at a life sentence. And when we approached him and told him what the, uh, you know, what his situation was, we offered him to do a proffer agreement, which is an agreement between him and at that time, the U.S. Attorney's Office, that if he sat down with us and divulged the truth about any questions we might ask, um, we would give him consideration in this narcotics case. Uh, we can't use that information against him when it's self-incriminating under the conditions of this proffer agreement. It's not immunity. 
It's just a situation where when we have the discussion, when he incriminates himself in a crime, we can't then prosecute him based on his own statements. Well, then he goes outside of that proffer statement in the years following and begins to publicly confess um, to his role in the murder. And that's what's led up to um, the recent search warrant at his house. And then, of course, the grand jury inquiry and now the indictment and arrest. So this search warrant, I have just been fascinated by it ever since that went down. So it was a search warrant of a house that apparently his wife is the registered owner of in Henderson, Nevada. Um, do, do you have any recon on whether that search turned something up, produced some evidence uh, that helped cops make this arrest? I do not have that information. I know that they seized phones and computers. I don't know what they discovered within the electronic files of the phones and the computers. Um, they seized copies of his book where, you know, he's got the uh, um, his uh, confessions that he'd written about. So there was a whole variety of different things that they seized during that search warrant. But really what's got him into hot water is not what they found. It's what he's been talking about for the years um, since his original confession. So why now then? You know, it's like, I get it, but those right. statements have been made for so many years. Um, there, there's a phrase um, in the Jewish religion, <laughs> why is this night different from all the rest? Why now? That's a great question. And I hope that they answer that question during the press conference here shortly. Um, I hope that they address that because that is an interesting and, and a worthy question. I think that it was to kind of save face. I mean, Las Vegas was looking a little complacent when they've got public confessions and the public impression is that they're, new, they're not doing anything about it. And so I think that there was a lot of pressure. Um, you've got a guy confessing to a, you know, a, a, a historical crime, you know, this, this high profile crime and nobody's doing anything about it, that's just not a good look. That's bad optics for the police department in Las Vegas. And so I think that part, that, that pressure probably played into this a little bit. So basically, the, the more that Keefe D was out there talking about this, it sort of embarrasses the police. Uh, it's sort of thumbing his nose at the police, saying, yeah, I'm out here talking about it, and they're not doing anything. So do they need something more? They need physical, in addition to him saying this, they gotta have some physical evidence, right? Well, they don't and need I, it, but it would help, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, because we're trying to figure out what it is they found in the house, and I would imagine that's what they're looking for to go along right, right. to strengthen their case. Yeah, well, they're gonna look for, you know, any gang indicia that, that, you know, connects him back to the gang that he was with at the time the murder took place. So the gang connections, maybe they add a gang enhancement to the charges. Um, there's just different things that they would use as corroborating or circumstantial evidence to reinforce the confessions that he's now made. So wow. you've worked on this for so long. I realize the confession is the confession and it doesn't get stale over time, but mm -hmm. because this crime happened so long ago, is there an issue with people's memories, with people who have died, that might make the prosecution a little more problematic than had they jumped on it a lot earlier? I guess there's that potential. The circumstances of the murder are pretty straightforward. His involvement is pretty straightforward. You know, he was in the car the night that Tupac was shot. He was in the assailant vehicle. He was the one who actually provided the gun to his nephew who was in the back seat, um, who shot and killed Tupac. So, you know, he's a co-conspirator. He's in the car. He provides the gun. They went out with the intention to do the murder, which is premeditated. And then have got, you've got the whole history of the conflict that went 
you know, that was going on. And it was his nephew, actually, the one that shot Tupac, was the one that Tupac had gotten into a fight with just earlier that evening in the lobby of the MGM. So you've got all of this stuff to kind of paint a pretty clear picture of what took place. And then you see this just as a retaliation. You know, I will say one yeah. other thing. I hear what you say about that. But if I were the defense lawyer in this case, I would say, well, if you really believe that, why didn't the cops jump on it about 25 years ago right. if they really believed it? So it's almost like you'd, you could use the that he could use the delay um, to his advantage in saying, well, if it existed back then, why didn't they jump on it? It can't be what they're saying now. I mean, that would be a defense. Well, Harvey, it is. Well, the difference would be that we did. they had no confession back then. Everything is hinged on this confession, that he, these confessions that he's made. Back when this happened, everybody was mum. No. Nobody was talking about it, you know, it was yeah. the, the street code. And so there was no confession in order to um, uh, to to provide the basis of, of the arrest or the indictment. Yeah, sure. Before you go, just one thing I want to make clear. The first time that Keefe D confessed publicly, he didn't do that until after his nephew, who was the alleged trigger man, until after his nephew had died, right? Long after. His nephew was killed in 1998. Right. In an unrelated gang action. I just wonder. Um, but when he can, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if he felt, like, he felt like, well, he's dead now, so it's fine. I can right. talk about right. it. Right. And now it's come back to vitamin E. Yes. Big uh, day for you, Greg. Exactly Greg. Big day for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Appreciate the time. Yeah, it's a great day. So, yeah. Thank you very much. All Thanks, right. Greg. I got to say, I really did not believe this would ever happen. I'm it is. It surprised. was so long gone at this point. Yeah. I can't wait to hear the police say exactly why now. Oh, it's, that's all I want to hear. Yeah. Okay, taking a break. All right, when we come back, Britney Spears back dancing with knives. Uh, and this time... It, Didn't Kevin it, Costner star in that? <laughs> dancing with knives? Uh. I think it was sim something similar to that. She's making a plea to her fans. Please do not call the police. I promise you these are fake knives. That's what she's saying. It's not, not sure if everyone's buying it. Britney Spears uh, doesn't seem to care what uh, the fans think, doesn't seem to care what the media thinks about her spinning around with knives I'm in her I'm not hand. so sure that I buy what you just said. Um, I think she cares some. Or maybe she- You know what I mean? Is enjoying the attention. Yeah, that's, that's the point. Because she posted a new video, um, again, dancing with knives, um, but this one included a plea. But first, here is the video. Um, which seems even more dangerous from the standpoint of how much contact. It sure looks like it, doesn't it? So she's saying that these are prop knives. They are not real knives. Yeah, she Truth says that- be told, there are prop knives they use for movies and TV shows and whatnot that are not, you know, metal and deadly. They have blunt They're edges. They're blunt edges and they do clang. But they are metal. And they do clang. Yeah. So here's the question. A, are these really prop knives? B, is this, are these the same two knives that we saw in the first two videos mm -hmm. where she was first dancing and then dancing with wounds? Um, right. And so are they the same or did she kind of get hip to the jive and, uh, and then switch them out? That's the question, don't right? Know. Yeah, we don't know the answer to that. But, um, you know, she knows that people are concerned. She's 
seen those stories. But there was a, the police so, came to her house for a while. Exactly. She says, I know I spooked everyone with the last post, but these are fake knives that my team rented from hand prop shop in LA. These are not real knives. No one needs to worry or call the police. So are these uh, the same knives? And again, going. she says that this is about, you know, imitating Shakira's performance. She said with that knives. before. She said right. that before. So so I got an update for you guys because she had named the specific shop. And just like you guys said, look, there's a bunch of shops all throughout L.A. where you can find props of even like weapon weaponry, uh, you know, even knives like in a kitchen that aren't deadly, aren't dangerous. So we actually sent somebody to this shop just to check out what they have and see if it kind of adds up. And they do have a big section of knives and the knives do look similar to the ones that she's been dancing with. And they even clank, they even make the noise. Cause remember she was kind of doing this like hibachi yeah, style. You can, hear, you can hear it right there, Charlie. Yeah. So they- Yep, so they do make the noise, but th remember these are props. So they are dull and they're not meant to By cut. By the way, can I, can I ask you a question? I see they're dull. Reagan, go back to but that the picture. the tip of it. The tip of it, she's dancing around her, even if those original ones were, She's dancing around her dogs. If one of those things falls on a dog, does it not cut them? Do you want to find out? Uh, no, I don't want to find exactly, out. Right. Harvey, it's like, you know, you're walking around a table and you hit your hip like on the side, you know, where it's all pointy. It's gonna hurt, but it's not going to Could it hopefully puncture you. Well, I'm, I don't know. Could it penetrate a dog? I don't know. We're just trying to get to the bottom of this. Are these knives real or not? She says they are props. You know, we did check out the store. It looks kind of similar, so. She did not say that the original two videos were props. She said, well, these no, are no, props. When in the original video, she also claimed that they were fake. She said fake, but now we're, yeah, I get, I get fake it. Fake or prop, Look, whatever. We, and we one thing that doesn't make sense though, bring go to the second page of her post, what she said. Cheers to us bad girls who aren't afraid to push boundaries and take risks. Take risks? If what risk if it's, a risk? if it's a prop, what's a there's risk? No, there's no risk. It doesn't, look. So that makes it seem like they're- Of course they're... it does. So look, I mean, she has had a fascination with knives. That's true. Right. And we know that and we've reported that for months. Number two, um, she sleeps with a knife in her bed, not a prop knife, a real knife around, around her bed in her bedroom. She is, she, she is afraid of being reinstitutionalized. Right. She, th this is a thing with her. And we also know that when the conservatorship ended, and we've told you this, they said, keep knives away from Brittany. She has a fascination and a dangerous one with knives. And here we are. So if you're looking at all the facts that we know, there's a lot weighing in favor of these being real knives. And then there are a or few some, things. Or some version. And, right, and then there are a few things where maybe they're fake, but still reason for concern. My name is Aisha Taylor, and I'm calling from Clearwater, Florida. And I wanted to make a comment um, about Britney Spears. Um, she told her fans not to worry. Um, that's code word you need to worry. Um, she has right. done very, so many questionable things. And for you to use prop knives or real knives, um, this is not safe. This is, <laughs> this, this cannot happen. Like nobody, I don't wake up in the morning and say, let me get ready for work and go get, uh, you know, just knives and just start dancing, especially when I have pets around. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> you, by the way, you just um, raised our eyebrows. Your name is Aisha Taylor? Yes. Wow. Close, close to Aisha Tyler. Ty close, close. Yeah. I love Aisha. I love Aisha Tyler. Aisha Tyler was it. 
And she got, by the way, she got the memo also, Aisha. What do you mean? You got the blue memo. Oh, you got the blue memo, right. Thank you, too. We got to move on. This is, uh, believe, I had no idea Cardi B had this fascination. Yes. Not uh, knives, but <laughs> dead presidents. Dead, one in particular. Um, so Cardi was on the Hot Ones uh, show. This is the YouTube show, you know, where they eat um, hot wings or hot chips. Uh, and they see how, how far you can go. But, and then talk about things that, celebrities find interesting. Cardi's interest is one particular president. <laughs> um, and when you think about it, before we tell you who it is, it's not, it's not somebody you're going to guess no, immediately. It's so before her lifetime. But, well, so is Lincoln. Uh, yeah, but, that's, but true. that's true. when you really drill down, it makes a whole lot of sense. He was a transformative president, one of, one of the five biggest transformative presidents Indeed. in this country. What stays in my mind for a long time, is that I went to FDR's house. If anybody loves me, know me, I love FDR. You love FDR? Yes, and I love Eleanor Roosevelt. She had a very sad life. And like, when I went to her uh, her house, well, she, she had different house from her, from her husband because, you know, um, FDR mama, she was always around, like, and she didn't really like that. Like, Eleanor wanted her space. Just like me, I want my own space all the time. I'm obsessed with World War II. Like, I love World War I. Like, you know, I like reading about that, but World War II, like, I'm obsessed with just learning everything about it. So for me to be in the same room that Churchill and FDR was discussing, the nuke, it's like, it was just such a moment for me. Wow. I just got to say, I wouldn't. she is so interesting. She, probably more than any other celebrity, surprises me every time. All the time. You just think, oh, there's nothing Cardi B can do that's, or say that's going to surprise you. And then she, amazing, does that. Hey, guys. Candace from Foxborough, Massachusetts. You took the words right out of my mouth. Cardi's crazy. <laughs> she just says the most random things. She's so funny but i mean that's the last thing i expected to come out of her mouth on hot ones honestly i love it i love that she feels this this connection to history speaking of which uh -huh. the history channel reached out to her yeah they actually posted something and said uh, it seems like you might have a history career in your future cardi b uh and she saw that <laughs> what so a great host of a history channel show that would be amazing that would be Fabulous. Do it. That's fabulous. <laughs> the okay. world according to Cardi. We got to take a break. All right. When we come back, Tyrese's $1 million lawsuit against Home Depot. Guess what? They have responded with surveillance video that they say proves he lied about this racial profiling claim that he made against the cashiers and the manager at this Home Depot. Well, Home Depot says Tyrese has the story all wrong. You remember, we told you that Tyrese filed a $1 million lawsuit against Home Depot claiming that they had racially profiled not only himself, but uh, two uh, Latino men who were working for him um, when they attempted to use his credit card, which he had told, he says, he that, told the that store cashier. that it was okay for them to use this and then they wouldn't let them use the credit card. So he filed this million down. dollar lawsuit saying, I want basically all the money back that I paid to Home Depot over the over last the years. 10 years uh, because of this racial discrimination. Home Depot has now fired back. Yes, and they say they have gone through all of their surveillance video and it shows a much different story from what 
uh, Tyrese claimed in his lawsuit as, as, for, as to what happened before he left the store. Because so, remember, he said that he was in the store, but he had to leave because people were recognizing him. Yes. So he left his two people behind who could then go up and pay for whatever he had. Right. Actually, here's a little bit of the exchange that happened once Tyrese came back to the store because they wouldn't let his employees use the credit card. He scanned my two candy bars. I looked him in his face. They were finishing up the transaction, and I walked out of your store with two candy bars, no ID, and I didn't swipe my card to pay for it. And he let me leave. So then, as I left, sir, they're now here to finish the transaction because irregardless of who I am, I don't like getting attention. And I just started seeing people looking, and I was like, let me go ahead and work my way out. Well, you got that racist energy all over you because you're not even willing to apologize, fix it, and point out the inconsistencies of what you know and your training and what the policies are. You're wrong. Wow. Well, got it. He really was harsh on her. Guys, the centerpiece of the dispute is that Tyrese in his lawsuit that he filed, the $1 million lawsuit, said that pre before leaving the store, he handed the cashier the credit card and he had, or handed his friend the credit card in front of the cashier and had a conversation with the cashier where he said, I'm going to go outside. And the cashier said, that's fine. I'll allow these guys to ring it up with your card. That's what he said in his lawsuit. And Jason, we should just quickly say the cashier you're seeing there in this video is not, that's cashier number two, we'll call her. Right. Cashier number one is a different person that you're referring to now. But Home Depot says they went back and looked at all the surveillance video and it's clear that Tyrese never had any conversation with any cashier. So there's a direct contradiction. Now we obviously haven't seen the, the surveillance video, we can't speak to it, but that's the center, the center of this dispute is whether or not he spoke with the cashier and got permission for these two guys to use his credit card. Jason, wasn't there something in the Home Depot's answer where they said, I thought he had gone up to buy something and then went back and never yeah, came and, back and they canceled the transaction. You, yeah, right. So so initially he went up with, he apparently had a ton of stuff. So it took like 20 minutes to ring it up. As he, they're ringing it up, he had walked back into the store saying, I'll be back in a second or something like that. And then he didn't come back for 25 minutes. So they closed out that transaction. He then comes back 25 minutes. Now in his lawsuit, he says that they had it was part of a computer glitch Home Depot says there was no computer glitch. The guy walked off for 25 minutes and didn't come back, so we had to obviously help other customers, so we closed that out. Oh, boy. I... Yeah, and we... One we... thing, I really want to see this video. Right, um, right. Well, the video is going to show everything. Well, it's going to show a lot. It, we, we're not right. going to hear I want to see the video. what and, was said. And if what Home Depot is saying is true, I really feel bad for that cashier because this video is out there that you know a that Tyrese she's racist I know calling her a racist it's written all over you it just seems really unfair to her if what Home Depot is saying is true a real shame Kyle David here from New Brunswick Canada listen uh, Tyrese I don't think it's going to I don't think it's looking good for him I honestly don't I mean if they're going to prov provide court documents and and go into this lawsuit which by the way uh, in an interview, Tyrese said it's not a million-dollar lawsuit. It's a $400 million lawsuit, hmm. which is crazy, you know, right? If the average person went into average de or Home Depot and had this same kind of encounter, I, I don't think we'd be seeing a $400 million lawsuit. Well, it may be, and, a, it may be a zero lawsuit if Home <laughs> Depot is right. Um, right. So may just we all be tossed out the window. I want to see the surveillance video. 
Uh, we're taking a break. All right, uh, when we come back, NSYNC's long-awaited song, their first in 20 years, is out now. Not only can you hear the full song, but you can see who's performing it. It's not NSYNC. It's NSYNC and Justin Timberlake. Why is Justin Timberlake listed separately from NSYNC? What happened to the harmony in this big reunion they were having? Welcome back to TMZ Live. It is not just uh, a Friday, it is an InSync Friday. Because well, their first song, well, yes, they're they're, at, they're there's an of, asterisk there and not the asterisk sync. in their name. Uh, but the song, A Better Place, from the upcoming Trolls film, dropped today. So people can hear the full song. In fact, I will tell you, I got in the car this morning to drive to work. Yep. First song that was on the radio. And? Happened to be on. And? It's, it's good. It's good. It, it'll, be a, it'll be a hit. I have, not, be it. I, haven't, I have not heard it yet. I play a little so bit. So here's a little hear. bit of the song, oh, yeah. and then we're going to tell you about the controversy <laughs> involving the release of the song. Just let me take you to a better place. I'm going to make you kiss the sky tonight. Yeah, if you let me show the way. Hey, I'm so excited to see you excited. I'll take you to a Seems it's it's a very formulaic hit song. I like, like that's yeah. It is formulaic hit song. Formulaic song that will, that will, it's designed to be a hit, and I'm sure it will be. Now, now, now check this out. If you are if you have your phone in front of you, you want to search for the song, go ahead and do that, and then you'll see who is listed as the performer. Who is the artist performing the song? It is In Sync and Justin Timberlake. Which means, which means he's not part he's of not NSYNC. part of InSync. What happened to the big reunion? What? What's interesting <laughs> here is I spoke to someone, because obviously everyone's talking about this. They're claiming the reason they did this is because Justin is the only guy from the band that is relevant music that's come out. Um, during the streaming era, so it's an algorithm thing. So when people search Justin's name, the song will also come up on Spotify, Apple Music, all of those platforms. Whereas someone like Lance Bass hasn't put out anything on his own in the streaming era. No, so let's that's, not just that's call out Lance. Also, Chris, I, I think JC did have some I, and, a and solo record. But. I, I really actually do understand that, and I get it. The problem with it is the PR side of it. That. It, it, you know, everybody was kind of wanting the song, and Justin was always resistant to coming back to NSYNC. Right. So finally, everybody's saying, oh, NSYNC is coming back together. They're on stage together as a unit at the VMAs. And then it's like Diana Ross and the Supreme. I, I agree with you, and I think, I think the, the telltale sign that they were aware of that also is that NSYNC is listed first. They got I, top billing. It's I, NSYNC I, and Justin Timberlake. So that way... They did it to soften the blow. They, they right. did it they to soften the They separated his name, so that'll help with the algorithm. But, by but they didn't put him first, so people don't think this is him bigfooting his bandmate. But it looks like he is separating from the group. It does. And that's the problem with this. But this is... Uh, listen, this is them pivoting to... This is the way the business works now. The whole popularity of the song is based on... How is it going to stream? Yes, it'll get radio play because it'll, it'll get it'll be a hit. It'll get plenty of radio play. Can, but if they want it to make money, okay. and they want it to get more streams so that it does better on the charts. So let me ask you a question. They've got to play the S. Okay. Got to play. So let me game. ask you a question. Could they have done? I, I I know it still kind of is out there. But if if it says in sync, featuring, featuring Justin Timberlake, that's even worse. No, I don't think it yes, separates that, them from yes, the group. Yes, that's though. worse. 
because featuring is someone who you are working with that you wouldn't normally work with. How about NSYNC, and how about that Justin Timberlake? And also, guys, this could help them because Justin is about to come out with an album. He's also supposed to go on tour next year. So if he drops that album, his own album, in the next couple weeks or months, this will almost bring Trolls, the Troll song, back into people's algorithm in a month or two when jo Justin drops his own album that's coming out. It kind of helps it, the timing See, of all of this. This is all about just playing the game. It's not, I'm sure they, they actually are getting along and they got a hit well, song. Well, they got, they got a, uh, they'll have a hit song. Will it be number one? Ah, I wish Eric were here. I don't know. I know, I wish <laughs> Eric were here too. Well, as a NSYNC uh, fan, I always thought they were like great. And um, I just, I'm, my name is Oya, and I'm from Vancouver, and I, I think it will always be a hit because NSYNC is a lifetime classic. So what do you think of the song, Oya? I think it's a really good song. I think it's great for the animation that it's being used for in the movie. I think it's great. I think it's used properly in the movie. Were you shocked to see that it's listed as NSYNC and Justin Timberlake? I was, I was, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I thought NSYNC was everybody, right? <laughs> it is, <laughs> it is. This exactly. is just for the business. Okay, um, we have a development in the story we've been talking about. Yes, uh, you remember the story about Michael Orr, who is the football player, professional football player that The Blind Side is based on. It's not based on, Blind Side is supposed to be his life story. A few months ago, Michael um, was grousing about the fact that his uh, adoptive parents never actually adopted him. He says he just found out that he was under a conservatorship with them and that they didn't actually adopt him and that he says he claims that and they he made screwed claims him over. That they screwed him over royally, that, it, royally they, that he never got the royalties, he says, uh, from, from the, the movie. movie. They say we did give him a, his cut of the royalties, but now you have this conservatorship that's been looming. He's in his 30s Over for years. Right. Harvey, he's 37 years old, almost in place for 20 years. Not anymore, though, because this morning, a judge in uh, Shelby County, Tennessee, ended the conservatorship, actually remarked that the judge hadn't seen anything like this before, that a conservatorship had been put in place under these circumstances and lasted almost two decades. It's over. As far as all of the other stuff that Michael is seeking, the royalties from the movie, that has not yet uh, been determined. That The lawsuit still exists, still open, and, and we'll see what happens there. But conservatorship is now officially over. Representing DigiWax Media Worldwide. Um, yeah, man, I feel like at the end of the day, congratulations to him for being free from that. But I also feel like it's a travesty that uh, somebody would take advantage like that. You know, when you do things, you do them good out of your heart and you think people got your back. And sometimes it's just not the case. And I hope the truth really comes out and he gets any restitution that's owed to him. Peace and love. OK, we're going to take so, a break. So you don't you can throw out your free Michael or signs. <laughs> uh, the free Michael or movement is mm. now over. OK, conservatorship has been. Dissolved. Okay. Oh, we're taking a break. All right. When we come back, uh, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Everyone's wondering if she'll be at the game on Sunday night. And there are a lot of companies who are wondering if she'll be there because there's big, big money when Taylor shows up to support her boyfriend. Yes, I called her, called him her boyfriend. When we come back, Damon John will be here to help us follow the money involving this new super couple. Well, we have all witnessed the power of Taylor Swift this week. Um, it is on, remarkable. <laughs> on a pop culture level, 
obvious, but there is a very serious financial impact yep. to her dating or dating, hanging out with dating, dating Travis Kelsey that a lot of companies have already seen absolute benefit from this relationship. She um, basically could save our economy even if the government shuts here, down. Here's, the, here's how much it is, and Damon is gonna be with us. Damon John's gonna be with us. We're gonna follow the money for you here, but before we get to Damon, we have another shark, uh, Mark Cuban. We got him out in New York, and even he is marveling at Taylor's ability to move the needle for a company. In fact, he wouldn't mind having it for one of his, uh, one of his companies. Taylor Swift, is she adding more value to this team? <laughs> Taylor Swift impacts the economy. She adds value everywhere she goes. I mean, literally, cities she brings her tours to, you can see the economy get a bump out of there. The NFL's gotta be loving this. Look, Taylor, there's a whole bunch of guys in the NBA I'm more than happy to introduce you to. The Mavs, <laughs> we've got a bunch of single guys. <laughs> oh my God, that is He's his- pimping out the Dallas Mavericks players. His well, but, but it's good business. It is good. I don't know if that's the way to get to Taylor, but yes, I get, they get the get It's a matchmaker. Okay. Uh, let's bring in our buddy Damon John to follow the money here, because uh, there's a lot of it to follow. Damon, um, you got anybody you want to set Taylor up with? <laughs> oh, do I want to set Taylor up with anybody? I don't, I, I don't know, because anybody set up with Taylor? Probably going to have a song written about them if it doesn't go well. Uh, That's the downside, but there's such upside. For that, there's a lot of money to be made, as the NFL is learning. I couldn't agree more with my uh, my fellow shark. I'm that's very rare, Mark Cuban. She is good for business. You know, so good that I got to tell you, I am not a huge sports fan. I know this guy, Kelsey, all of a sudden. And you would say, really? You didn't know? I did not know who he is. And I want to dress like him all of a sudden. <laughs> Obviously, we're twinsies. I look like him. But, um, you know, uh, power couples have always been really great for America. You know, Jay-Z and Beyonce, Michelle and Barack, Elizabeth Taylor. She had a whole bunch of power couples. <laughs> and several. And Sonny and Cher, right? You, mm -hmm. we, we love investing in knowing what's going on, and then we love to see when they have problems. But I do think this is great for the economy, but this is great for individual businesses, right? The Swifties are creating new shirts and new products. Big companies are saying, hey, we want to invest in this. You're going to have the Taylor cam at uh, at some of these uh, kind of shows where huge companies can look at that. This is great. Follow the money. Everybody is going to make money off of this. This is the perfect storm. I absolutely love it. I think it also speaks to, and I know we're not, sometimes we're not very big fans of it, but social media, because really what's driving all this is Taylor's army of fans, right? Her 272 200, million. 272 million followers who really do follow everything she does. And not just follow, but they spend big money based on whatever is happening in her life. I mean- Well, you know, listen, you know, entrepreneurship is a team sport. And uh, <laughs> even if you were not a fan of Taylor, oh, I don't know who that woman is, oh, whatever the case is, the day that she got with him and that game was in that city and you sold 400 times more pizzas, you're putting on a Taylor shirt after that going, where the hell is Taylor Swift <laughs> these days, right? It is something that is just, you know, everybody's bidding off of it. Now, you know, listen, we all need a break sometimes. And when you look at this, this has nothing to do with religion. This has nothing to do with politics. You get to, it's the new version of TV just washing over you. You don't got to really think really hard about it. And it's just fun. I like it. It's romance. Uh, and I just think it's a fun thing that neither one of us are doing about politics or, 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 or religion right now. To me, it, it, 
Taylor Swift is the antithesis of Kim Kardashian, all the Kardashians, because what they've done is they've just sprayed their brand to all sorts of products, beauty products, and just all and 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 liquor and all this stuff. And she, by the way, she, and it's worked for them. She does well. I know it's worked yeah. for them, but she has not ever gone really beyond music, and she's resisted what could make her an, a bloody fortune. But that's never been the way she wanted to go. And there's something in my gut telling me she's got it right. I do think that in a sense, but if you look at somebody like a Courtney, um, now remember, they have a million sisters and everybody has <laughs> a different uh, you know, concept of what they want to do. They also, their life is their art and her art is her life. Um, I think there's a little difference. And you know, this is the beauty of Shark Tank, right? We all on the panel have uh, uh, the fundamentals of business and we all execute businesses in different ways. Uh, but I do love that what she has done is showed you can go narrow and deep. Listen, Under right. Armour and I started at the same time. FUBU did $350 million a year. Under Armour did one shirt and started to do $4 billion a year. There are some that go narrow and deep and there are some that go wide. Neither one of us are here to tell somebody how to run their business or their passion. But I do think that she, as you said, she can show people, don't try to be everything to everybody. Be and do what you love and keep focus on that. And guess what? You know, you can win just like that and 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 and, and do it on your terms. Yeah. It also helps to be as talented as Taylor. That's true. Swift. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you think that? I mean, because if it didn't have to be talented, then I right. do it. Hey, yeah. you know, well, matter, you're, right? You're, so. you're, doing, you're doing just fine, sir. Doing just fine. So, okay, Damon. So are you guys. All right. Thank good you. to see you, man. Great talking uh, to you. Huh. It's just, um, she has overtaken this country right now. It's, it's really just it amazing. Is, uh, I mean, she Crazy. is. Crazy. She's not even, a, she's not a cottage industry. She is an actual industry. She's an industry. Yeah. Okay, taking a break. All right. When we come back, Jeezy and Jeannie Mai's divorce. It is following in the footsteps of Kim and Croy. And that's not a good place to be. Although less gambling. <laughs> now with less gambling, we'll tell you about their living arrangements when we come back. Something in the water down there in Georgia. Yeah, no kidding. Um, because uh, Jeannie Mai and Jeezy's divorce uh, is at least at this point very similar to that of Kim Zolciak and Croy Bierman. Because they're still living in the same still house. under the same Roof. How do you? Uh, it's so he filed. He filed for divorce a couple of weeks ago. Blindsided her. That's what we've heard from her people connected to her is that she was completely blindsided by that, which to me means she's very upset. Right. So then, how do you live in the well, same? How home? do you live under? Uh, yes, they have a daughter together, but you know, Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner aren't living under. They're the not same living under the same. That's the typical way of doing it. Right. But they are still. They are living under the same roof. They are trying to live their lives without going to war. Um, and uh, that's like walking on eggshells, right? Yeah, but here's the thing, you guys. Jeezy just filed for divorce like a little bit over a week ago. So it's kind of hard to figure out a living situation in that short period of time. So, of course, they're still sharing the same, you know, roof. Um, but, no, you know, not, the thing, the thing is, is they, they are, mean, well, they I, have I, a kid together, you know. I they get have it, Monaco but, together, one years old. They're both But they're both doing people of means, yeah. right? For the and, kid. But they're both people of means. They often go to hotels, go to things a hotel, like that. You stay at a friend's house. Airbnb. Right. But they're also very hands-on with their kids, so it seems to make sense. But obviously, 
tons of awkwardness at the house, but they are coming and going. So having very little interaction with each other. But yeah, I think eventually they got to figure it out. Hi, my name is Imani McGill. I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana. In response to Jeezy and Jeannie Mai's divorce, I feel like they are trying to make the best out of the situation given. We all know the impact that divorce has on a couple, especially when there's a child involved. And so with Jeannie being unresponsive to the media, I feel like she is trying to keep the bond within the family as healthy as possible. Yeah, I mean, that may be the case. Say, it's yeah, still say, say less. Gotta be focus on the kid. Uh, what else do you guys want to talk about? Hi, this is Ian from Ontario, Canada. I'm just talking about the arrest of Tupac's murder. And I think it's really incredible. I know the writing on the wall was with the recent search in Las Vegas. But I think we're at the part now where, you know, in a couple of years' time, this could be one heck of a Netflix four-parter, right? This is one heck of a story we're seeing, I think, with the ballistics ballistics evidence, maybe some hard physical evidence. This could become quite the story. No, it's going to be quite the story. Look, I, 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 I haven't even talked to Charles about this. I mean, we're not even looking at each other right now, but we're both I'm I, wondering. Yes. Are you cooking? Is that what, just Yeah, what's eat? going what on is, there? Oh, I just figured I'd have a little fireside chat. I just, you know, hard week. <laughs> oh, wow. Relax by the fire. That's fabulous. <laughs> it does look so rustic. Look, and the leaves it are looks, turning it in looks the back. so beautiful, yeah. I gotta say. Well, the, kids, the kids are gone, though, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I gotcha. Oh, my God. That is so <laughs> idyllic. Oh, my God. Uh, one more. Hi, this is Gina from San Francisco um, regarding Britney Spears. Um, I just feel like she's saying whatever she can to calm her fans so that, um, you know, these calls to police um, won't happen again. Uh, she knows now that this is going to keep happening. So, of course, anything she says um, is going to uh, be, you know, in preparation for that going forward. Yeah, I mean, the problem yeah. is the fans are concerned because she's playing with knives. Uh, okay, we're taking a break. All right, so when we come back, George Clooney and Amal throw a huge party in New York. Actually, it's an award show that they put on, uh, and their famous friends came out by the droves. You will see who showed up to support when we come back. Well, George Clooney has, now he has an annual award show because it's, you have to do it the second year to make it annual. Of course. First time it's just an award, an award show. show. The Albie Awards uh, put them together last year for the first time and last night they had the second annual and uh, it was, wow, what an event. Even though New York was getting drenched by uh, rainstorm. It just, everybody Scarlett Johansson was there. Obviously that was George and Amal. Cindy um, Crawford was there. Yep, Gail King, King. Anne Hathaway. Uh, Sofia Vergara, everybody showed up. This is something that George started last year. His foundation, the Albie Award, it is given to people who are fighting for justice around the world. Uh, it is named after a South African judge uh, who helped fight to end apartheid. This is both George and Amal's. Um, yeah, I mean, it's George, the name on the foundation is George. But, but she does so much work. She's very much involved. That's right. Yeah. Okay, everybody, have a great weekend. We will see you Monday.